Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016. This episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They're an easy way to deploy your application no matter the language or framework that you're using. They are great for deploying JavaScript applications using technologies such as Node.js, Meteor.js, Feathers.js, and many other frameworks. They recently updated their build process for Meteor to include uploading the code to a build server. They use a Docker component to create the build and output a consistent application that gets sent to the servos making it more reliable and easier for you to deploy your Meteor application. Check them out, modulus.io. Welcome, Crater fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Ben Duguid. Welcome, Ben. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's been a while. It feels good. It has. Yeah, podcasting. It's been about, a, I guess, about a week, a little over a week since we got back from space camp and uh, just decided to try to get back to it. I know I've been particularly busy. Abby's been busy, so I asked Ben to uh, hop on and maybe we can get an episode done because we're asking, hey, what, what happened? Sounds good. Here we are. Glad to be here. Indeed. So, one, if you're looking for, there's going to be a lot of videos coming out on my channel soon on YouTube, if you happen to watch that. Uh, I've got a number of videos from the summer Crater Mobile Conf, and then we'll also have the videos from Space Camp as well, which was pretty awesome. Today, we're going to talk about Goodbye Meteor, Hasta la Vista. Oh. <laughs> GraphQL <laughs> Summit videos. React 15.4 is out. And uh, Yarn versus NPM, which we were talking about, you and I, before the show. Like, I don't think we've. We've done a show since Yarn came out. I don't think so. Yeah. So, it's been a while. Talk a little bit about Yarn, too. Find it interesting. All right. So, yeah. High Meteor. This is a big one. Yeah. So, Aaron Noda, like, if you haven't been paying attention, maybe you didn't notice, but there hasn't been a lot of activity going on over in Aaron Noda land with the stuff they're doing with Meteor. And I think that's because he's moved on, right? Yeah. And that's essentially what this post confirms. Uh, I talked to him when I was in New York, had dinner with him over at Lauren Sands Ramshaw's house. It was just clear to me at that point that he was mostly moved on from Meteor, wasn't doing a ton of things with it. And, you know, when I privately asked him about flow router. He said, it's, it's probably better if you react. <laughs> I'm glad he said something, right? Like he has a lot of projects that have a lot of users and uh, it's probably better to go the route of saying something than not saying something like iron router and just kind of let it stagnate. Touches it. And you know, the gist of the post is, it was fun. I'm glad I got to do it. You know, I'm more interested in other technologies now. 
he's looking for people to help out with the open source projects. So if you use fast render, flow router, muff, any of that kind of stuff, go find the repos and uh, go open an issue or find an issue that someone's already open. That's talking about like taking over the project because uh, it's the only way these things survive at this point. Yeah. Well, obviously, Aeronota has been great for the media community. I think obviously we joke around about oh, which Aeronota bot made this because he was doing a whole lot of stuff just all the time. It was crazy. I remember Mantra came out or Mantra came out. Seemed pretty interesting. And he kind of led the, the React charge and then slowly, slowly started doing more React things. And yeah, I think you're right. It was They were even doing a bunch of GraphQL things before I think even Apollo uh, had started. If you were paying a little bit of attention or, you know, had seen some of the stuff he was doing, I think it made sense. So, yeah, I, th- I think he handled it cleanly and I still appreciate all the things that Aeronauta did. So I've been busy working with Footcard again for the last couple months and trying to get their Meteor app ready for production launch. And, you know, the last thing that I did, we, we put the launch on hold because we were getting too close to their busiest time with Black Friday and Cyber Monday, but like the last pieces that I was working on was SSR and like his fingerprints are just all over everywhere you go. And you're looking at SSR and Meteor, like he pioneered a lot of that early work. So very appreciative for that. And uh, certainly made my life a lot easier in terms of getting that piece done for foot cardigan. So definitely i appreciate everything that he certainly brought to the table and he's focusing on storybook at this point we don't know what's going to happen with kadira like he didn't reference shutting it down or anything but at the same time like i can't imagine they're going to put much effort into it so i did leave a comment on the article like what what does this mean for kadira yeah that's interesting i also know that he, he said he started a new medium publication. So if you're interested in staying in the, the Aeronauta loop, JavaScript mantra is what he called that. Mm-hmm. There's a link at the bottom. Uh, Actually, I'm- cool. and I, saw, I saw that the other day. He, he posted some... It was the next.js story, right? And oh, yes. That's, what it was. That's, that's the other interesting thing. Like, I, I'm finding next.js. I realized like, I, I didn't put it on the list to talk about, but I did want to talk about it a little bit because... <laughs> I've been playing with it as well. And like, I'm super impressed with what they've put together so far. You know, I, I honestly like it a little bit better than create react app. I'm super interested to see them push forward and get a little bit more support. So it's got its own router and it's got uh, server side rendering built in by default. And it's just react and Webpack. And the thing you do is, uh, make sure you put any of your data fetching in the get initial props and it'll make sure that it gets forward properly for server side rendering. Yeah. And then they just use the file system as the, the routing API, right? Yeah. 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 For page names. Yeah. You just make a file in the pages folder and like that'll stitch it together and everything should work. Yeah. Yeah. They're Zeet or Zite. I'm not sure how to say it. And they're doing some really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really- and like, that's the other thing too. Like, having played with numerous deployment options for the various things I've built over the years, like they have now sh and like, that was stupid, simple to deploy yeah. next.js app. Like other people have um, made a build pack for Heroku as well. So if that's your, 
new jam you can check that out and then uh i was playing i'm i'm planning on playing around with daku or doku i don't know how you say yeah it. daku's cool yeah so since you already have a build pack like theoretically you should just be able to use that build pack and throw this up on DigitalOcean as well so then the new crater conf site I'm getting ready to launch the uh, CreatorConf JavaScript edition for 2017. Super excited about it. But I built the entire thing in Next.js. And rather than doing anything crazy with the database, I actually just have a JavaScript file that has an object in it that describes all that. Why not? We're giving them. And like it just renders that out in React and, you know, good to go. Yeah, I mean, if it's static, why, why not? Makes sense. Yeah, we should have uh, Rosh. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Have him on the Space Dojo podcast. Just yeah, that that's not a bad idea. I may ask <laughs> him to come on to the to be cool. show because he's agreed to give a talk at CreatorConf as well. So I'm nice. excited about that. He was excited to hear I was using Next.js as well. So the number one question I'm getting right now is like, is Meteor dead? Eh, it's not dead. It's at this point where it's moving slower. Yeah, and a lot of the rest of the communities out there, the JavaScript communities, and what they're doing, and like people building individual pieces you can can tie together and build something great. In general, they're moving slower than they ever have as a team, right? Because they really just have one guy at this point. I appreciate Ben so much, smart guy, super smart guy, but mm-hmm. never going to be able to move at the pace that they used to move. And I feel like they've lost a lot of their innovation and things that made them unique or special as a platform to choose, like a lot of that starting to go away. People are asking like, Oh, what's going to be the next big thing? Like I have no idea for me, like I'm building react apps and I'm just interested. Like the piece I haven't figured out is how to get data to the front end. And you know, maybe that's Falcor or maybe that's uh GraphQL or Pop? I have no idea, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm interested in learning, and I think to me, Next.js is going to continue to push forward and probably be that piece on the front end that makes the most sense. And if it's not, maybe it's Create React App, React App, or something like that. But I probably going forward won't be building a whole lot of media apps myself. So Create React App has this npm eject script, right, where they just eject the config. And you can't undo from that once you've ejected, like that's that, and then you handle it yourself. And uh, it's almost like Meteor is a more, way more overarching build system that you can't eject from. So yeah. that's why it's kind of you know all in or not in at all. Well, uh, and you know, part of that was I think there's no way to eject because you're locked into their package system, right? Yeah. And we got a like a partial eject button like we can eject half the app yeah with the npm support that came in 1.3 but the problem is like i still haven't heard anything about 1.5 i don't know okay i'll just say it like i i feel like they've moved the majority of their team over to apollo and working on apollo and um our next story to me speaks a lot about where meteor's head is at or mdg's head is at about Like 1.5, they made the change to say it's going to be all about Apollo. But I haven't seen any stuff coming out about 1.5 or where they're at with their Apollo integration. And it seems like if Apollo is their next big thing, when they want some smart media integration, they're like ready to go. 
but I'm yeah. not seeing it. So I don't know. Like I'm very, very confused by how they're operating. I, I honestly, like if I had to guess, you know, you keep hearing about how they want to turn things over to the community and get them more involved, but I'm just seeing those things kind of flounder as well. So I don't know. Like I'm not feeling super great about the future of Meteor at this point, but I've probably felt that way for over a year now. So it's not, none of this is a big shock to me. Yeah. I think there's just been a shift to focusing more on Apollo and, and realizing that, you know, they started doing this, I guess, full stack JavaScript apps pretty close to before anyone else was doing things like this. Now we have all these different ways. There's a ton of different ways to handle all these things. If you look at the react ecosystem and what people are doing over there, it's like a lot of different approaches and it's moving really fast. And so because of that, and because Meteor's desire to have legacy support, uh, just, and like migration story is really good. They're, they're kind of trapped in this older system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, having NPM is a way to, to hopefully make that more, feel more uh, futuristic and stuff, but you're still hooking into their build system, which seems to be really complicated along with, you know, there's only, you said it, there's only one guy working on media right now, mm-hmm. a fellow Ben. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And so they're not moving very fast. I wouldn't say that Meteor is dead. I think there's a ton happening in Apollo. And I think they've been doing a really good job. I guess marketing is the right word, marketing that and, and building that where I think a lot of people even outside of the Meteor community are using Apollo. So I've come to this conclusion that libraries are probably better than frameworks. Um, I think that it's, it's fine to have loosely created frameworks, but maybe not like tightly coupled frameworks. Like I think Meteor is, if you look at Meteor versus GraphQL, like the, the decision-making process involved there is like, I got to buy into a whole lot of things to start using Meteor. Whereas if I want to use GraphQL, I can actually just set that up and start using it in a piece of my app, right? Like plenty of people are using Apollo or GraphQL in general with Rails or uh, Erlang and Elixir and Phoenix or, you know, there's, there's a number of people that are consuming this without necessarily having to buy into any one particular thing. Like you don't even have to use React in order to, to use Apollo like, or GraphQL. Like there's a, a relay, you know, there's a ton of options to get this working with React or uh, Angular or any of the other frameworks like Vue or uh, you know, feathers or there's just a ton of options out there right now. You know, I think it's just easier to buy into GraphQL. And so that's probably why that makes a lot more sense for them in the long run business wise, because if you're going to build a product for Meteor or GraphQL, like getting a full stack buy-in for Meteor is a really tough sell. And I think that's, that's what they've seen over time. That's caused them to shift their focus into GraphQL and do things like, the GraphQL Summit. There we go. Yeah, GraphQL Summit was super cool. There was a ton of talks from a bunch of different people. They had Lee Byron there, one of the guys who uh, I guess helped co-found GraphQL. Super cool. They had a panel that had been using GraphQL in production. You should check out the videos. Did you get a chance to watch any of these, Josh? I have not yet. I'm uh, I'm going to try to sit down over Thanksgiving break and kind of speed through them. I, I tend to watch YouTube videos at like 1.5 speed or 2 yeah. speed if I can stand it. It depends on the speaker, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely a good way. Like I love watching YouTube videos, but I definitely like I'm excited to hear about the talk from Shopify and what they're doing with GraphQL. So that's that's probably the first one I'll check out. 
you know, obviously like Lee, Lee's a good speaker. So um excited to, to watch his talk as well. And so he talked about just four years of GraphQL or four years in and kind of, so he had this little sheet that was uh, his best case scenario, his kind of predictions. And he said, basically he said in, in two to four years, large companies and tech giants would, would start to pick up GraphQL. And we've seen that happen, you know, GitHub, um, obviously Facebook is using it, but GitHub has released a, a public, I think it's in beta still, but I think they have almost, I think I saw an update somewhere that said they had pretty much everything, um, all their APIs under GraphQL now. Um, it's still in like a developer beta or preview, but uh, it's pretty cool. And I think we'll start to see more of these companies choose GraphQL. Yeah, I think the advantages are, are super awesome. And I'm a huge fan of GraphQL. So, you know, again, like I've talked about it before, like it solves real world problems that I think exist with how rest operates you know like i've talked about before working at godaddy and the transition from like this amorphous like api that that was just kind of built haphazardly for a backbone app but like you know we were trying to switch it over so that there was a a unified api between the mobile and the uh, javascript application on the front end and like that was that was a really difficult thing to do and i think Mm -hmm. graphql kind of solves that problem and similarly like as a consumer like that's as someone who's creating the api to be consumed that's that's definitely a problem it solves the other problem is you know as a consumer of an api it can be very very frustrating to have to like build up this series of rest calls that you have to do, you know, and like, I'm going to grab this data first and then I need this little piece of it. And then I can go grab this other data from this other call. And then like that allows you to start iterating over and making a bunch of calls to get data out of an API and GraphQL equally solves that problem. And frankly, like the developer tools just have always impressed me as well. Mm -hmm. That's just a super important part of building uh, something that you want like high adoption in, like build really good developer tools that make everyone's job a little bit easier. And it's going to become a big thing in my opinion. That's something that the GraphQL team has done well. Yeah. And I also, I saw this recently GraphDoc, G-R-A-P-H-D-O-C on the 2FD GitHub account. I don't know what that is, but they essentially just take your, your GraphQL schema and they convert it into a static page. That's all the, you know, the documentation for it. And it's the same thing you get in the editor, but they make it a static page, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I think the tooling is great. I, maybe GraphQL has just ruined me and it's like, I don't ever want to write rest again. Cause, because why? Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's much better to just say, this is the data I need. And here's the yeah. piece you need to help me build that. And then give me the data back. To me, the Apollo team is doing super interesting, exciting things as well. You know, like they've, they've actually got their subscription support out now. So um, that's starting to look interesting. So yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting dichotomy because like we were talking before about Meteor and one of the things that is super easy to do is like get started and not have to feel like you're doing a ton of boilerplate and that kind of thing. And like doing a GraphQL project, like I actually put one on hold for a little while because it just felt like there was so much boilerplate involved with getting everything set up. I don't know. It got frustrating. It's like that, uh, I'm a developer Twitter account and have you ever seen that? Yeah. I am developer or whatever. Yeah. And like, there was a tweet where it's like, oh, we, we did a hackathon this weekend and oh, how'd it go? Uh, well we got, we got Babel configured. Yeah. And, and that was yeah, it. We just that's it. 
Um, It definitely feels like some of that stuff can be a little tough. And so like, that's also why I'm excited to see things like next and, and create react app. And it makes some of that stuff a little bit easier, but there's still a lot of setup that you have to do. Yeah. And I was saying, maybe we just need to create GraphQL app, but, uh, I still think that that's hard because you, I mean, you have to define a type system. Like it is boilerplate because you're saying, okay, you know, the, you're defining the schema, which is kind of boilerplate. But yeah, it's, it's I how you more get like I have to go like write the resolvers. I think we need just a little bit of convention over configuration type of stuff uh, in a GraphQL project and just say like, I have a resolvers folder and my resolvers just live there. And, you know, I don't know, like auto loading is probably not a great thing. So it's going to be hard to make a case for that, but wiring all the little parts together, like, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta have the, the uh, schema defined and then wire in the resolvers and the queries and the mutators and all that kind of stuff. Like just seems like a lot to, to wire in. And then like, you've got the express app and then you've got like a separate app for the front end and you got to get them to talk together and then it feels like you're finally doing something. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, but it takes a while, <laughs> but it's great to integrate GraphQL with react. <laughs> uh, the better segue would have been during the performance goals, right? Yeah, um, I tried. So react 15.4 came out and one of the big things, like, and, and maybe you, if you haven't read yet, like if you haven't done a deep dive or you don't follow Dan Abramov, you might not have seen it, but part of the, the 15.4 is that they have React Perf integration with Chrome tools now. And so if you haven't used React Perf, you can just throw, this is like a little question mark, you just throw on the end of your um, React bit and it'll pick it up and fire off the, the react perf stuff. And, but it'll give you a flame graph and it gives you the breakdown of like w- what it was doing for each component and when, and that kind of thing. And so if you click on the, the link in the show notes, go scroll down about a third of the way into the article profiling components, with Chrome timeline. And that's the thing that one is super interesting to me about this release. The notes here say load your app with question mark react underscore perf. Yeah. And the URL query string. I'm assuming they're talking about create, create react app maybe and then that's a good question i would assume so because you'd have to hook into the yeah but you know you get this lovely like flame graph that shows you what's going on and it shows you like hey this this component was mounted and then it was updating and this one was mounted and updating so like, it just it gives you a really good breakdown of where you're spending the time like i haven't done a ton of using the uh, the timeline tab, but it says don't record more than 20 seconds. So good caveat there. <laughs> Lock up yeah. Chrome, apparently. It's a lot of data, I'm guessing. They've, uh, they've done some other things, like you can mock out refs for snapshot testing. But the probably the single biggest thing is they made the move in, in 0.14 to split out React DOM from React itself. Uh, but apparently, you know, it wasn't a fully completed move. And uh, with this, this release, apparently it's now a fully operational battle star. It, it secretly lived there. So you shouldn't have any problems unless you were grabbing methods... Uh Right. Like yeah, under the yeah, lid yeah. Folder. So it's not, it wasn't like a huge change. It's just um, if you were under the covers, like using pieces of React by loading individual libraries, like this might be something that you'll have to pay attention to when you upgrade. But 
yeah. uh, for the most part, it's, it's kind of a, a silent and easy thing to, to migrate to. Uh, I actually haven't, we've got two apps. I need to move them to the newest version and see how it works. I mean, it's still so like the way they do versioning is if you don't have any like deprecation warnings, then it's, you should upgrade to the next version. Or that's, that's breaking changes, isn't it? So yeah, when React 16 comes out, if you have no uh, like deprecation warnings, you should be fine. But if you yeah. do have them, you fix them, and then the next version, whatever the deprecated deprecated warning blog messages said, um, those will be removed. So pretty cool way of of moving along. But I don't know. I don't know if even React V16 is on the horizon right now because. I don't even know if this has been on Crater much, but React has been working on this React Fiber. I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be version 16. Will be I think so, yeah. But so they... I'm they really this. excited about that because uh, I, I convinced uh, Lynn Clark to give a talk. Have you seen her speak before? I have not yet. I have several on my backlog, but I, yeah, I know I've read a bunch of her stuff that she's written. It's really good. She does the, uh, the cartoons... Um, yeah. And uh, she did a, a good talk at ReactConf last year. It showed Redux and the various kind of front-end data management options. She did like a cartoon version of that. But she's going to do a cartoon version of like what is React Fiber and why she's doing it. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. But I saw today they've got like is React Fiber ready yet? Dot com. Yeah, yeah. it's like I like it because they've got like the test suite on there, and it shows like I think ninety ninety one point four. Yeah, ninety one point four percent passing. Yeah, so hopefully that'll drop soon. Um, but it's a big, huge effort to like rework how everything is rendered. Yeah, they just rewrote the implementation. Um, so V sixteen shouldn't be like from us or from consumers of React, it shouldn't be too different, uh, I don't think. I think the plan is to pretty much support the same, at least ES6 API. I don't know what's going to happen to React Create class and that. But all of a sudden, I, ideally, Perf should go, should be much better. And there's been other libraries. I think Inferno, I know they've talked about. I've seen people talk about on Twitter being like a basically a, a fiber-ish implementation. And they do really well Perf-wise. So, so that's really cool to see. Whenever you think about upgrading... You got to think about how you're going to get the libraries there. Yeah. Which brings us to Yarn and NPM. Yarn. So another thing that's come out of uh, Facebook, um, or I guess it wasn't just Facebook. Uh, a couple of people from Facebook in, and along with, and I should have, I should have the list ready. But uh, I know Yehudia Katz, um, which is one of the big Ember guys uh, as well. Um, but there was other people too. It's called this thing Yarn, Yarn Package. Uh, so it's github.com slash yarn pkg slash yarn so it's npm except it's way faster yeah it's faster i would say the other big thing is like it shrink wraps by default right so you get the yeah. you get the lock file and like the versioning between deploys is better i don't know how many people use shrink wrap like have you ever used npm shrink wrap uh i haven't but i know I know people who have and they like shrink wrap wasn't always perfect. It was still possible to mess up. And, and I guess when you get really big apps with a lot of different, I guess, transitive dependencies, it can shrink wrap can be funky sometimes, but yes, you aren't set out to solve that because you know, Facebook was trying to, or all these companies were trying to get rid of the, it works on my machine uh, excuse by with yarn and just having completely, the same build every time you run you run yarn so yarn is the equivalent of npm install 
you can do yarn add, which would be npm install dash dash save, whatever package. So yarn add package name. And then it by default adds it to the package.json as well, which I think is cool because sometimes you forget to run npm install dash dash save and then you push and somebody's like, you didn't save it. So. <laughs> like, why is this broken? What did you break? Yeah. <laughs> break anything. I just added the package. Save. So the other thing, and then the reason it's so fast is because I'm not exactly sure how they're doing this. I think it's pretty straightforward where you just, you just, if you've yarn installed or yarn added react 15.4.0 before, then the next time it added, it just pulls it from the cache directly. And so their installs are super fast where you could essentially have, you could yarn install or yarn things offline. Um, so I know people have kicked around the idea of having like a, an NPM package. That's just like a yarn warmup essentially where it just installs like the, the top, I don't know, 2000 packages or something. And so you could just work offline essentially, which would yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah. And so like, if you, the thing is, if you're from the meteor community, uh, this yarn, yarn is probably closer to how meteor itself, like their package system works because they, they tend to have a global cache. And so most people don't realize like you have this like dot meteor folder hidden in the root of your home directory and it's mm-hmm. got all those files in there. They do sim linking. Whereas when, uh, Yarn does everything. It it looks like it actually copies the files, as far as I can tell, into the node modules directory. But the interesting thing is, like this is this is like a drop-in replacement for npm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's still using, you know, the same npm uh, package registry. It's still using the node modules folder. It's still using the package.json. So like everything is like a one-to-one kind of replacement. They're very, very interested in making it speedy. You know, like there's always those jokes about like waiting at the, the NPM, <laughs> like fetching packages, prompts or whatever. Yeah, downloading um, the internet. It's my go-to joke. Yes. <laughs> it's super interesting to see that they they undertook this this project and like I, I've used it and I'm quite happy with Yarn. Uh, again, this is something that Next.js kind of out of the box prompts you to use Yarn. <laughs> It's really, really interesting to see. And so the um, story in question is actually from one of our community members, Chet Korkos, uh, which he was at Space Camp. It was fun to hang out with him. And he just ran some timings trying to understand, like, what's the difference between, uh, what's the speed difference between Yarn and NPM? So he did a fresh install and then a second install and, uh, timed it out. And with NPM install on first try, it was like same application, right? So we're just, we're trying to compare apples to apples, 111 seconds uh, to do the NPM install. And then the second install ran in 27 seconds for comparison, yarn, same app, 53 seconds to do the first install in 0.48 seconds. So about half a second to do the, the secondary install, you know, it definitely, is a lot faster. Yeah, it, it caches successfully. And I know I've, so it, yeah, like it's a drop-in replacement for the NPM CLI, which is really just a client for NPM because I guess NPM, obviously there's the registry and a bunch of other stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so one of my initial thoughts was, wow, this is amazing. So why don't we just convert everything to Yarn and just never use NPM again? Well, maybe not never, but so yeah, at the same time that this was uh, announced, the NPM... Uh, Inc. had a, a blog post saying they were 
they think yarn is awesome. Um, and they're not the first, you know, CLI or other implementation of a NPM client to exist. They're like, Hey, there are these other ones. And yeah, we're still really excited to see yarn. We hope it succeeds. Well, and they released, what was it? Version four? Did they, they release? Yeah. Version? Four is out. I, I don't even know what the breaking changes are, but yeah. I did see four is out. People on the yarn team were on uh, JavaScript air recently, I guess mm-hmm. it's the second to last episode because he's sunsetting it for now, but we'll see. And they talked about, you know, they just had different goals. Like if you try to drop in yarn to a really old, you know, uh, NPM V10 or, or sorry, node V10 or node V12, like it might not work. Things are a little different. Mm-hmm. Where NPM is really, again, really focused on backwards compatibility. Yarn is not so much. They're pretty much, like, I don't even know what versions of node they support. I imagine it's four and up, but maybe it's six and up. I would think four for sure. Like the project I was working on was version four of node. Okay. Then, then yeah, definitely four. And four is still currently like the long-term. Yeah. So you can search for cheat sheets that kind of show you the difference in mm-hmm. the commands. Um, I give uh, Yehuda Katz a lot of credit here as well, because I think for him to, to step up and be involved in this is pretty awesome too, because, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge about uh, dependency management. Like he, he started out in Rails, uh, really in the, the Merv community, and working on that kind of stuff, and built Bundler, which was, you know, you had Ruby Gems, which was okay, but Bundler was really the first kind of dependency, like serious dependency management that, that we had in, in the Rails community. And so he worked on that pretty extensively, and I think he had a lot of knowledge, right? And so, like, there... Uh, Tilda, which you you Katz is a co-founder of, like they spend a lot of time working on Ember and building apps that way. So this is definitely like NPM. There's there's problems that needed to be solved here, and I'm super glad that he got on board and certainly helped out with that. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting. I've also seen that you should not random yarn. Side note: you should not publish your yarn.lock file to a, a library. Yarn.locks are supposed to be meant for apps. Um, yeah. And yeah, because that way your your apps don't get bug fixes and stuff if they rely on Semver um, as it should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can Google that if you're curious. I know Dan and some other people talked a lot about that. It was pretty interesting, but yeah. it seems really cool. Yeah, I may, um, I may throw the announcement into the show notes too, the Facebook announcement that kind of walks okay. you through why. I think that's, that's worth taking a look at. Um, Definitely. Like I can't find it in the article now, but I'm pretty sure like the Yarn client downloads the various dependencies in parallel. That's really that's one of the reasons it's faster. I would think so. I've seen in the various you know again like Chuck's article, a lot of people posted um, uh, just various uh, metrics, and I, I've seen ones that would install. Because somehow it, it'll still beat it. It'll without the cache. So with a clear cache, it'll still beat npm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Which definitely. Like if you look something at, faster. If you look at that article, like it almost beat npm on the second install, right? Like the first install took 111 seconds. The yeah. second install with npm took 27 seconds. Uh, Yarn only took 50 seconds on its first install. So like it's it's. It's already really close to what a cached version of npm is doing. So yeah, um, I think it's like super, super fast. And like this is this is the kind of thing like I'm I'm excited to see because I think like 
you know, moving uh, this stuff along and making it faster. Again, super great for developers. And another reason like I'm excited for JavaScript is because these kinds of things are important and people are working on them. And even though like, you know, we're all just trudging through and dealing with NPM and its slowness and the way it functions and the weirdness around shrink wrap. Like, I'm glad people are thinking about this stuff, trying to figure out ways to make this uh, better. And uh, yeah. the book certainly like brought a lot of people to the table, but a lot of other outsiders, uh, not at Facebook, helped out as well. Definitely, I know they got a lot of knowledge from uh, one of the co-founders or founder of Cargo. Um, which is the Rust package manager, which is supposedly super awesome. Um, and I think is very similar to how Yarn works. But awesome stuff. Yes, the JavaScript world is is moving on. We are always fatigued. <laughs> That's good. Make JavaScript great again. Make JavaScript great again. It's always getting great. Great. Yes. Uh, more. All right, well, more. thank you everyone for tuning in, and thank you Ben for. Hopping on, it's uh, of course. to get back on the horse. I'm actually like I, I need to follow up, but I'm kind of excited. I think the uh, the Falcor guys, we might be able to snag some of those to get on the uh, Space Dojo show. That'd be awesome. Which I'm I'm super excited about. So nice. Definitely uh, look for us to be putting out more content on YouTube and on the uh, podcast feed. And uh, I, I may even have another podcast brewing soon. So it uh, could be exciting. All right. All right, guys. Talk to you next time. See ya. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com.